This is KOOP HD1 HD3 Hornsby. Welcome to the Austin Chronicle Show. My name is Kim Jones, and I am the editor of the Austin Chronicle, Austin's independent source of news and culture reporting since 1981. So on our typical show, we typically choose a topic or two, usually something news, usually something culture, and always something relevant to the Austin community. We're doing things a little differently today. Instead of looking outward, we are looking inward. The occasion is the launch this week of a new look for the Austin Chronicle, and it's been months in the making. We have a masthead, a new masthead, new fonts, new features, new columns. It's a whole thing. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring in our art director, Jason Stout, to talk about the redesign process and more broadly, his design philosophy. Jason, you want to say hi to our listeners? Hello. We also have in the studio Nick Barbaro. He is the publisher of the Austin Chronicle, the owner, the co-founder, and he's also my boss. So if you hear me flubbing a little bit, sweating a little bit, that's probably why. Nick, thanks for coming in. Sure. Hey. So, Jason, let's start with you. Uh, there okay. is there is an origin story to this redesign, and I didn't know it until about a week ago. So why don't you talk us through when you started thinking about this? I started thinking about really just redesigning the logo when Trump was elected, and even when he was running. So that long ago, three years it, it was the whole fake news thing. It was just the idea of saying that because you believed something that that was the truth. And I am not myself a journalist, but I work for you fine journalists, and that really bothered me. And we'd had the same logo for many years, since 95. And I just wanted to get a new one going to, I don't know, put us out there again, reinvigorate the brand. Mm -hmm. And by logo, we should we should sort of clarify what we're talking about is when you see on the cover, it's sometimes called a masthead. It's our name on the front. Right. Which is understandably confusing. I'm a designer and even I didn't (laughs) realize the term masthead until I started as art director or before that. But I was like, what are you talking about? What's a masthead? You're talking about the logo (laughs) or nameplate or the nameplate. We've done some yes. curious Googling the last couple of weeks trying to figure out what to call this thing. But it's it's not just on the cover. It becomes the it's the face of the brand. You see it everywhere. You see it. Uh, right. Right. And yeah, originally it was just we tell the truth. We, I mean, as far as as we know, what am I saying? we report the best we can and everybody tries really hard. And, you know, me as art director, I'm always um, hoping for more grabby stuff, even a headline, a insect quote. So I might sometimes push for less balanced journalism, but we fortunately have integrity, even if I don't. I want to represent, I wanted to represent that this is not just uh, an opinion paper where mm-hmm. we're telling you something because we want you to believe it. Well, and it's more than just the, the logo, nameplate, masthead, whichever, right? I mean, there's a lot of new design inside that sort of follows that same thing. Well, there is. Process, I think. There is. And that's always that, – that's something that is in very recent months that 
we'd started really talking about what we're trying to do. And, you know, we have a certain amount of space. We have a certain amount of real estate and a reader. We want them to have an enjoyable time. I think we've gotten really good at the structure of the paper. So it was just a matter of pulling ourselves back, our perspective back and looking at it as a whole and then drilling down again into rearranging things slightly with the cover story. I think it's putting our best foot forward with our longest story of the week. That's sort of to explain what we're talking about. One of the things that we've done with this redesign is that we've really put an emphasis on a cover story and in particular, really giving space and trying to be more intentional with the design. I think so often we're asking Jason as art director to, we just give him so many words, just thousands and thousands of words and just want to cram it all in. And we really wanted with this redesign to give you more art space, give you a chance to play with the layout uh, and just bring a more considered approach. Which is wonderful. And I do <laughs> sure want that. But, I, and, but it's also because I work for the editors. I work for the storytellers. And yes, it can be, we have so much to say. And that's not going to change. And I don't want it to change. That's sort of my hill that I command is I want people to want to look at this. It's good. So, well, going back to the to the logo, what or the masthead or you know whichever we're going with here, uh, what were some of the particular challenges? Because I mean that that in and of itself, as you've explained it, like you were inspired, you felt urgency after Trump was elected to really communicate something about the newspaper that people are picking up, and that I mean I'm a writer, I have no idea, I know how to communicate via words, and you're trying to communicate something via design. Yes. I didn't want didn't want people to take it for granted. And maybe that's how I felt like even I was taking journalism for granted. And then when it was under attack, very directly, I wanted to remind people that we're here and really doing something important. So practically speaking, how does that translate to design? How does that translate? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so I wanted to look at our masthead through its history. I wanted to, I thought about bringing back the very first masthead. Which, which is, if you, uh, in this week's issue, uh, we gathered all of the mastheads. This is the sixth in the history of the paper, which is 39 years now. So it's, it's a fun visual aid as we're talking about it for people to sort of understand what that first uh, masthead looked like, which Nick, how long did it last? Uh, five issues, no, not counting the prototype that came out before we before we published. But, okay, yeah, so for the sixth issue, we had a new one. Fingers crossed, Jason, your new one is going to have slightly longer staying power. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> but, but you were looking. Say? But you were looking back at this history I was, of I the was paper. The, the first, and I took a. I had one maybe a year and a half ago. That was it. I was done. This is it. I even just set it down and said, "This is it. We're not talking about this anymore." <laughs> That is not the one that is on the paper. Mm -hmm. But I tried to sort of assimilate all the other logos. And then I also did. I wanted something fresh that would last and that would maybe catch, you know, oh, look, it's a little different. I didn't want to break the brand completely. So it's not miles different, but you set them next to each other. It's a lot different. 
I thought that last one was, it was very austere. And that's sort of where I was in my mindset. It was like, I want the, this to be about our legacy and our importance. And then I thought, well, that's a little bit less chronicle than it should be. Mm-hmm. And I'll just take a pass at doing another one that's maybe got a little more of a modern font, a little, little, another little take on it. And then I did it and I was really upset that I liked it a lot more because I'd taken such a stand. Sure. Mm-mm. Kill your babies, man. We all have to do it. Yep. But Sorry. I, I feel like I should put that into context. <laughs> uh, that is something. You can't exhort people on the radio to kill their babies. That, that's really not allowed. I don't no, think. No, it's really not. That's something that, uh, that, you know, we say that's around the office chronical. or that's some, or, you know, that writers in general will say that, that like you fall in love with something. You can't be precious about your original idea. You have to be willing to be open to something better coming along and killing the thing that you were so in love with. So anyway, back to you, Jason. For sure. <laughs> but that's what I did. Well, I, I, Baby's was, gone. I was struck by what you said that, um, that that original idea that you had that you that it didn't feel enough chronicle to you because that is something that you know of all the design requirements here you wanted to convey that we are a serious news organization that could be trusted in these times but we also are a particular kind of media outlet and that's an alternative weekly and that is also part of something you needed to convey via design exactly we have eccentricity we have very interesting stories about interesting people and and takes on that. And I had created something that was, um, like I said, too, a little bit too austere, very, I tried to bring in that old English font from the very first Michael Priest logo. I actually started redrawing that, which I've talked about a little bit in the article. And in trying to sort of modernize it, I was ruining it. So I just abandoned that. And then I just found a font and, and it just looked too it looked too plain after a while. I, I mocked up some covers and and had to admit it looked too plain. And then, you know, for the inside, it's just, originally it was just kind of going to be a facelift three years ago. It was just <laughs> going to be like, let's change up the way things look. This all works. And But then other things happened, like changed printers. And it brought up issues that we were like, let's really look at this. This might, this... Maybe this isn't just a facelift. Let's do the hard work of talking about how to move things around. Well, yeah, and then we start talking about more as as an editorial redesign, too. What what do we want to start doing a little differently? We did a reader survey at the end of last year. I'm not sure we found out anything terribly conclusive out of that, but... I think it sort of depend on whatever answer you were looking for. You could probably have Mm -hmm. it justified because somebody out there liked it. Right. I don't yeah. even remember what, uh, it was really, it was a great opportunity for one-to-one feedback from our readers, but I don't think we necessarily made any specific changes because of it. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I don't think we did, but I think we talked about a lot because of it. Right. Which is something that, you know, we just getting week to week, trying to get the issue out the door. And then on top of that, we also are publishing online daily. We don't have those conversations that often where we just sit around in a room and talk about what we do and ask, okay, what's working? What's broken? How do we fix it? And much bigger conversation, what do we look like as a media organization in 2020? So that all went into this design too. For sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, so let's let's talk about, uh, you know, we've done the design, but we haven't really talked about some of the, the new additions. The thing that I'm maybe most, well, I don't know, I'm excited about all of it. But one thing I'm really excited about is that we are debuting, I think for the first time in the Chronicle history, uh, an opinion page. Am I right? Nick, you're our institutional yes. memory. Yeah, there is not. Yeah. Okay. There's, you know, op-eds that, you know, a lot of, a lot of newspapers run them. We never have. And for me, the where the desire to do that came from is that Austin keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, there are so many points of view that we can't represent all of them. We can't tell all the stories. We're not the authority on everything. But I wanted those perspectives in the paper. And I wanted a, a place for the community to be able to feel like they were a part of the paper that we were putting out. Which, when you look at this week's issue, you can find um, right up at the front. We have sort of an explanation for our readers of, "Hey, if you wanna, if you wanna write one of these things, let us know how to." We tell we tell people how they can submit that. Uh, Nick, what are some other things that you're excited uh, about? Well, the, the the Naked City uh, page is pretty cool. Uh, now that's a we sort of used that name before, um, but this the. The page is new. Uh, a lot of short little stories. It's based on the old TV show and the uh, the tagline of their eight million stories in the Naked City. Uh, that's okay to say on the radio, right? Naked, you know, it's good. Okay, <laughs> but uh, it, it's got I, is it is it four or five? I forget now. This this week of uh, uh, a little um, stories. There's a a nice uh, obituary and. Um, Peg Miller from Chicago House uh, died last week. And uh, that's something I guess we put online. I'm not sure that would have had a space in the paper before this week. So that, that's, a, that's a nice addition. Um, one of the other things, a lot of them are, are, are small kind of design things. And, and I honestly haven't had a chance yet to, to really thumb through the issue thoroughly because we've been in kind of meetings all day until now. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. Everybody's got their list of notes already. Of you know, yes, I mean, yeah. this is great, but we things. need to do this or whatever. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I actually don't have such a list yet. Oh, you'll make one. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break for for some station announcements, but uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Austin Chronicle Show. We're in the studios of Co-op Community Radio, 91.7 FM in Austin, and live streaming through koop.org. I'm your host, Kim Jones, editor of the Austin Chronicle. Joining me this week in the studio are publisher Nick Barbaro and art director Jason Stout. And this week in the Chronicle, we've launched a new look, which is what we're talking about today. In particular, we've launched a new masthead. In the first half of the program, Jason talked about the work that went into coming up with that new masthead, uh, specifically the struggle to produce something at once modern and timeless, something that would distill the essence of an entire ethos of the Chronicle into a single image. So like no big deal, right? No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that idea, the, the work of a logo, uh, that a logo or a sign has to do, actually inspired this entire issue, this first issue of the redesign. Yeah, which is great. It was challenging, but it, was, it's, it came out really cool. I mean, just the idea that that is sort of our signage, our masthead. It is the sign on our paper. Yeah, and it, it was... We did so much stuff with that word redesign because uh, it's redesign, yeah. but there's sign, and then a lot, a bunch of the issue is, is about signage, iconic signs around town. 
Jason came up with the, putting the colon after re, which makes it, of course, you know, regarding about design. design. It's not really an issue about design totally, but it, it's but about of course it's design. Also the, yeah. The signs you see every day. That's what I was thinking it, that, that we were using uh, earlier. I, I was yeah. calling it the design issue. I should have put a little quotation um, mark instead of an E. Right? Yeah. We could have done a whole page probably of the various ways we had broken up the word redesign in, our, in talking mm-hmm. about this issue. So, but yeah, it became yes. it became this issue about about uh, signage and, and logos and the meaning of signs and some of the... Yeah, some of the some of the stories behind some of Austin's iconic signs. We've got the, a really cool piece about the neon sign that announces the Red River Cultural District and what it's meant for them to really sort of plant a flag there uh, in a in a neighborhood that's constantly under threat of rising taxes. We've got a story about wayfinding, which I knew nothing about. This um, it's really fascinating, but wayfinding is it's, it's basically about how signs are used to orient us in space, like uh, road signs or historical markers, the, the signs that literally tell you where you are and they tell you how to get where you are to somewhere else, which thematically made a lot of sense for this issue because it's, well, partly because it's about the things that we take for granted, the, the signs that we live with all of the time and we never stop and think about their impact in our lives. And for me also, the sort of the wayfinding concept had a certain poetry to it because I, on our on our better day, on our best days, I feel like that's what we're doing at the Chronicle is is sort of helping our readers find their way. You know, even if it's just to a movie tonight. You know, we help you get yeah. to a movie. But more broadly, I'd like to think that we help you have a better understanding of city politics and you know perspectives that don't always that you don't always know about. Yeah, that something we like always try to do um and like you said some sometimes more successfully than others but yeah the wayfinding is is interesting it's a whole field of study that you know you probably get a degree in wayfinding somewhere in the u.s i don't know so nick you've been doing this longer than me and jason specifically you co-founded the paper in in 1981 i imagine that things have changed a little bit in the industry since then yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was kind of a new idea almost at that point. It was the, sort of the the end of the underground newspaper. wasn't certainly wasn't the end of that era, but it was. They had started to, to come out from underground. You know, it used to be you could only only find the the Berkeley Barb or the Village Voice or a couple of others in, including the Austin Rag, which was an, an early underground paper uh, in in head shops and and then. Mm-hmm. They sort of started to merge into into city magazines, and that trend had started. And we were we were one of the earlier ones, I guess. We had we had some good models around the country, but uh, the Dallas Observer started about the same time uh, we did. Houston came a little after San Antonio a few years after that. And it came, you know, ten within ten years or so, you could talk to somebody in any part of the country and say, oh, you're in Omaha. That's, we're kind of like the Omaha reader that's, that's there. And they say, oh, okay, I understand what that is. Because it wasn't a concept. That was a big change in the first couple of years when, when the, it went from calling people and saying, we're the Austin Chronicle. Oh, well, we're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a newspaper. It's kind of like a newspaper, kind of like a magazine. Uh, we come out every two weeks, it was at that point, for the first seven years. And you have to sort of explain the whole concept of what, what it was we were doing. And there came a certain point 
a few years in, gradually, I guess, but when, when that, you didn't have to do that anymore. It was like, where they're the Austin Chronicle. And either they'd be, oh, okay, I, that's the Austin Chronicle. No, they'd heard of it, seen it, or else it, it could sort of explain that we're, if you just came here, we're like the Dallas Observer, we're like the uh, LA Weekly, whatever. You know, so people sort of were used to us and knew, knew what we were. Gosh, I don't know. Uh, trying to do milestones going weekly was a big thing i can't even wrap my head around when i think about sort of all we're doing to produce the weekly issue and all we're doing to produce the you know content online daily and we've got a whole website that we're doing in addition to the print issue and we're always thinking about some new special project the idea i mean i started the paper 20 years ago and even now i think god how was i filling my days 20 years ago and all we were doing was putting out one paper a week mm-hmm. and i can't even imagine if you had two weeks to do it yeah it was luxurious <laughs> it was i mean everything you, you sort of fall into a routine everybody we worked through one weekend we got one weekend off the paper come out you get that weekend off but then it was like a 10-day work week after that when uh, you worked straight through the weekend but i mean it was a staff of eight people at that point that's old style production too which i that's how i started mm-hmm. and that is exacto blades a bit and more, waxers and yes quite a bit more hard time hard consuming type. actually tactile oh, hands yeah. mm-hmm. cutting up newspapers or cutting up the copy yep tape yeah. waxers yes the dangerous exacto blades. i've got a scar on my thigh I dropped a knife into my leg in college I think I have nerve damage on my fingers from, but boy, I could right now I could cut through the top page of this paper, but not the page under it. I've still got the touch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How do you keep in practice? How do you do that? I do. Because, yeah. I, I I cut things at home uh-huh. if I can find a reason. Yeah, that's good. But again, not know, advising this necessarily for for our listeners. No, and I would not want to go back. I would not want to go back at all. It was so difficult to. To do, I mean, yeah. there's things that are fun about it, but you can just do so much more digitally. Yeah, I mean, it really is crazy. R- running out pieces of type, actual single lines of type to correct a, a typo and, and having to paste that over the old line. It, I mean, we could do a whole show and just what the, sure. what the technology Cutting between was letters to back then, yeah. Do uh, word spacing. Cur- e- kerning. Yeah. Yeah, we had one one guy in production. That was kind of his specialty. It was, a, it was a word that was like spread out weirdly across the line. He would go in and cut the line, cut each of the letters apart, and mm-hmm. s- scooch each of them over a little bit. <laughs> Poke that little letter to make the uh, to make the, the the spacing right. Yeah, it's crazy. And that that even sounds like slower than when things were hot type and lead. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it seemed, oh, seemed like high tech at the time. But it it would make. I mean, weekly that would be difficult and i worked at a daily paper in college but that was a six to eight page paper so in terms of the bigger sort of media thing it was a, that was a lot simpler there there was not we knew exactly who our you know competitors were there was a daily paper there were three television stations because you didn't count pbs well radio stations there were there were about as many radio stations i suppose there are now i don't think the bandwidth has changed much and uh, about it. There were a couple of little publications that would sort of come and go. And that was not only our competition in a business sense, but that was who were, everybody was getting their news. Those were the sources that you, you, you got your news from. 
it was much easier to be, and the phrase in our industry is alternative news weekly. That was, was what our papers are traditionally called. It was much easier then. You knew what you were an alternative to, you know, the TV stations and the, and the daily newspaper. It was a pretty, you know, people talk about mainstream press. These days, mainstream press, there's a, there's a lot of things out there that you could consider mainstream. There was not very much at that point. You know, it, it was pretty easy to be alternative to it because it wasn't it. That whole phrase, Alternative News Weekly, has been a lot of debate in the in the organization. There's an association of Alternative News Weekly. So well, it's not called that anymore. It's Alternative there News Media. Right. Yeah. And they still yeah. use the word alternative. Yes. I guess it's they weird, do, but yes, it's they've they've stricken the the weekly part from, mm-hmm. from the record because well, right. a lot of a lot of these places have gone digital only, or some of them have gone monthly instead. I mean, mm-hmm. every year we go to this conference, um, and it's it, you know it's you look around and see how many more bodies dropped in the last year. It's it's pretty devastating to see this particular type of media really thinning out. It is because you know people like it. I mean, we have a great market here obviously and at the same time that's sort of what i talked about with the old master i think sometimes yeah it gets taken for granted i think if it was gone it would be a big deal yeah absolutely and this is we should say this the is not specific. Said it, it is gone yeah so. <laughs> it's like it never happened it may be a big deal <laughs> i'm waiting for feedback it's on early that. days where's but, the old master this is terrible but these challenges are not just facing alternative weeklies. It, it's basically all media is with a few mm-hmm. notable exceptions. A lot of the ones that have, you know, in New York Times has figured out a subscription model. Nobody knows what we're doing anymore. It's Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's hard. And it's, a, you know, information wants to be free. But people who are gathering information don't get paid in that model. It doesn't work for us anyway. I don't know. Um I don't know if the New York Times is actually making money. They have a successful model, and they have a lot of readers. They're apparently doing well. And they have a lot of products. They've diversified, and you know, podcast kings now. I don't know. It's a it's it's a whole new world, and I think everybody's still trying to figure out what their place is in it. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) since we got real depressing uh, talking about this. Let's, let's bring it back up. Uh, just to say that, yeah, I think that one of the great things that has come out of this redesign is the conversations that we had and that, I mean, I know that I sort of fell in love with what we do again, just based off of these conversations and figuring out sort of what do we do? How do we do it better? What's our responsibility to the reader? What's our role in this community? Yeah. Just trying to figure out how to keep doing what we do. And puppies in two weeks. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Our pet issue is coming out in two weeks. So, uh, so you'll feel better then. If all else fails, just puppies. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think we're actually about out of time, and, and puppies are a good place to go out always. So thank you guys both for coming in. That, once again, that's Nick Barbro and Jason Stout have been with me today. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Thank you. And I also want to say thank you to our engineer, Bob Daly. And also to... Thanks, Bob. You've been great. (laughs) He has been great. Very supportive. (laughs) And finally, also thanks go to Kevin Curtin and Jonas Wilson, as always, for writing our theme music. And also thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in once again to the Austin Chronicles show. We'll see you next week.